Welcome to Logical, the UAE's first and only regular legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott. I'm here with Ludmilla Yamalova, managing partner of the Dubai-based legal firm HPL Yamalova and Plethka. We're in JLT, Jumeirah Lakes Towers, uh, on the 18th floor of Reef Tower here in Dubai. Ludmilla, it's always good to see you. It's always good to be here with you, Tim. Now, an acronym today, O-F-A-C, OFAC. I'm going to come clean. I had to look this up. I have to look a lot of things up before I talk to you, so no surprises. Uh, I'd never heard of OPAC until earlier this week. So here goes. It's the Office of Foreign Assets Control. It's a financial intelligence and enforcement agency of the U.S., Treasury Department. It administers and enforces economic and trade sanctions in support of US national security and foreign policy objectives. Now, that's from the website. Okay. I have, of course, heard of sanctions. And really, that's what we're going to be talking about. That is what OFAC is all about. Indeed. And uh, OFAC it is. And I have to also make a confession until about... uh, Maybe a year ago, I also did not know what OFAC <laughs> stood for. Re- I mean, I had heard, and obviously I had uh, uh, known some general general um, guidelines of what it was all about, but I wasn't uh, intimately familiar uh, with what it was and how it actually worked, especially in in, um, in particular in the context of perhaps you know my clients and my own practice. But isn't that the way with the legal uh, field? You just need to throw in a few. You need to pepper your chat with the old acronym, and people are like, people nod sagely and they think, oh, she really knows what she's talking about. Yeah, that perhaps that was me for uh, many years <laughs> until about a year ago, whenever this topic came uh, came about. And I remember I obviously I did a lot of friends who are lawyers and uh, various firms and that uh, specialize in this particular subject or right. were working on a specific project. And even I remember uh, some very close lawyer friends of mine who um, would travel from the U.S. to the UAE to specifically on like an OFAC-related um, discovery project. Uh, and uh, sort of in general terms, uh, you hear it with one ear, but you don't really get involved too much until it actually really comes close home mm. uh, or concerns you. And um, so so it was. So I uh, guess you just... Uh, uh, you just uh, brought to light my previous uh, attempt <laughs> to just nod my head. Yes, yes, yes. I knew exactly what it stood for. I knew something about sanctions, but what it related to, how what was it, how was it enforced, what was regulated by, it, it wasn't really of interest to me very much before. Okay. Uh, well, in in full disclosure, I've been nodding sagely at you for the last nearly four years on this podcast, uh, and so far it's worked. Look, why are we talking about OFAC now? Why, why this particular point? Well, for a number of reasons, um, and um, uh, why perhaps I was um, I had to learn quickly about OFAC was uh, because um, it uh, concerned. Um, our own practice here in the UAE, and that's because of the the recent sanctions um, that were um, introduced by the U.S. and other Western authorities in the context of Russian war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, perhaps Russian businesses that were. Uh, businesses and individuals that were um, um, migrating, transitioning, sort of uh, moving to the UAE and the region uh, in in the context of of the war, and um, 
um, and as a result, all of a sudden, these sort of sanctions and uh, kind of the, the effect of the sanctions uh, very quickly bled into into um, into into this region as well. In particular, my practice, because obviously I speak Russian, I have a lot of Russian-speaking clients over the years, and so when when uh, the sanctions kicked in or started being introduced, you obviously. Uh, become um, um, you know become very familiar with uh, and because you're approached by a number of Russian-speaking clients sure. uh, who are for all, a number of legitimate reasons as well trying to move base uh, in terms of their businesses and their lives into the UAE. So I mean that's just that's my own story in terms of what brought me closer to learning the subject in particular. Uh, but this is not a new subject to the UAE, by the way. So Alfac, I mean again, this is the Office of Foreign Assets Control. Uh, they have they they. Um, there's different lists that are created over the years uh, and with relate with regards to different countries and individuals uh, and interests <clears throat> that are considered to be a security threat to the U.S. interests and, and other sort of partner countries, but in particular the U.S. interest because it's a U.S. organization. And they historically have included uh, sort of the specific lists that relate to specific sanctions for specific countries, right? And so in the UAE, for example, there's been lists related to Iran, the various Iran-related uh, sanctions or Sudan-related sanctions or Syria-related sanctions uh, so or Yemen-related sanctions. So the OFAC is not is not a new subject in the and the not a new concept in the UAE uh, with regards to um, uh, just as a, in general, and there have been a lot of businesses in businesses and interests and individuals in this region uh, that have been uh, perhaps much more familiar with the impact of OFAC <laughs> sanctions uh, a lot earlier. Uh, and so, um, if you go on the, the OFAC sort of sanctions list, I mean, you'll see the different designations by different uh, countries and interests and people that are. Considered at any given point in time uh, a threat to the U.S. sort of national interest and so they appear on these different search criteria so yeah they go way 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 back so this is just the newer uh, the newer line of sanctions in, in the wake of the Russian war in Ukraine and so um, and hence it kind of uh, hit home much closer to me personally where I had to learn very quickly about what it meant um, and uh, and also uh, understand what I can and cannot do in the context of um, OFAC uh, you know, application, and I choose these words carefully, because, and we can go through the little, the nitty-gritty kind of nuances of, of what these um, sanctions are and, and their overall impact, but let's not forget, this. these are U.S. regulations, these are U.S. sanctions, yes. and we're not in the U.S. We're in the UAE, very far geographically, very far away from uh, from the UAE. So the question would be: So why does it matter? Like, why does it matter in general? And certainly, how does it affect me uh, personally? Uh, me here practicing law in in the UAE and not in the US. Um, so it and it's it's interesting because the the spectrum of the sanctions is quite broad. It basically relates to anything to do with either within the U.S. or, or with U.S. Uh, U.S. persons. So, and I am a U.S. citizen, and therefore, and I'm also a U.S. qualified lawyer, so uh, so and on many different levels, I am, so I am therefore subject to these sanctions, uh, to, the, to these regulations as well, and therefore, these regulations impact me in terms of the, in, in the, my ability to work uh, or do business with anyone who potentially may be on OFAC lists. Right. 
Yeah, and so, but just kind of take a step back in terms of just setting the frame of in legal, the legal frame of what OFAC is. It's so, as you said, rightfully said, it's the U.S. Treasury Department, but it's basically the Office of Foreign Assets Control, uh, and it's the purpose of, of this is uh, they're responsible for issuing and enforcing sanctions list uh, and and also general licenses, specific licenses that will allow you to perhaps to provide certain kind of to to do, um, to modify the the sanctions or to limit the impact of the sanctions, uh, and these sanctions are issued usually in uh, on the back of a presidential executive order. So the, the executive orders that come out with a sort of list of countries and individuals and then the back of that, other regulations follow in terms of the implications. And so at the high level, the OFAC is responsible for enforcing sanctions on certain countries, um, organizations, and people. Uh, for example, OFAC can designate certain people and entities whose assets by virtue of the sanctions will be blocked. And those and those are called the sanctions or the blocked persons or the blocked individuals. And th- those um, uh, blockage, the, the, the effect of this sort of being blocked uh, affects the sanctions per- person's transaction transacting within the United States with any or with any U.S. persons, entities, goods, or services. And so one of the primary consequences of these blockages is the inability to conduct transactions using U.S. Dollars, which is a U.S. good, uh, and that and this entails the inability, for example, to withdraw uh, or transfer, deposit any kind of money uh, uh, through not just not just U.S. dollars, but through any entities that deal with U.S. dollars. So that perhaps is the. Um, is that the most interesting aspect of these sanctions? On the one hand, these are purely U.S. Uh, regulations, and as we know, in terms of uh, sort of sovereignty, uh, every country's fo- sovereignty and the limitations of jurisdiction, uh, the U.S. regulations can only pl- apply within the U.S. Mm. Uh, and to, obviously, and they can apply to the U.S. It, depending on the sanctions and the consequences or uh, circumstances, uh, they can only apply to U.S. people. Uh, but um, uh, but in this particular case, why the, their impact is so uh, is so important and so effective is because they affect uh, any entity that deals with U.S. dollars, in addition to obviously U.S. people. Uh, so, and what is that? That's basically every bank. So, any bank that severely limits your ability to indulge really in any international business. Absolutely. So in other words, let's give you an example. So for example, if there's an entity that is an OFAC list or individual that's an on OFAC list, and these entities and individuals may not have... I may be hundreds of thousands of miles away from from the U.S. itself and, and not really doing even any business with any U.S. entity in any particular jurisdiction. But just by virtue of being on these on the sanction list, uh, if they want to do any transactions, any banking transactions, uh, they will be blocked from doing so. And that's because they're considered blocked. And so the way and and the. Um, uh, the sanctions are drafted in different ways, but for example, you could have um, specific companies that are blocked, right? Specific right. Uh, companies. They can also have specific individuals uh, that are blocked. Uh, and in most cases, when an individual is blocked, the sanctions uh, extend to all other, for example, interests or entities that are controlled uh, by that particular individual, even if they're not specifically or expressly listed in the sanctions list. So, for example, individuals can be an individual can be considered um, or can be blocked individual, and that individual, for example, has 
five entities as well that specifically are listed in the in the list. But in addition to that, the sanctions will state that these are the entities and it's and any other interests uh, that this person or this blocked individual may control or have irrespective of whether they're specifically stated or not, which means that if that, that let's say there is a, another company or another bank account uh, where that individual's name is listed, they will be considered by default um, and implicitly a blocked entity. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's say if that, um, if that particular individual uh, is uh, merely a director at a company of a company uh, and therefore is um, listed with the bank as a signatory. So uh, the company doesn't belong to that individual, for example, and, um, and she, for example, is not a, a she or he, uh, is uh, not even necessarily a, a director of the company, but it's just a signatory to a bank account, that in of itself will um, will make that customer, bank customer, a blocked entity. And why that is, is because all banks that deal with U.S. Uh, dollar, and that's a U.S. good uh, under these, uh, these regulations, therefore are subject to ultimately these sanctions. So that's the simplest way of saying it. Uh, so if you are, it doesn't matter that you are not in the U.S. and, the, and that, that you are not even a U.S. company and you're not dealing with any U.S. entities, as long as you are um, on this list, without any transactions you start making as an entity, uh, then uh, will become uh, will become automatically blocked now, and so that's actually quite an interesting sort of. As in the U.S., you call it kind of the long arm, <laughs> the reach of the U.S. jurisdiction. Yeah. Uh, and so that's an interesting example, a very effective one, because let's face it, a lot of uh, general in in the world, everything sort of <laughs> to a large extent is governed by money, right? And so that means. Uh, Whatever services, whatever goods that are happening, or, and people only do things ultimately, not only, but ultimately for money. And so, uh, but how do you transfer money? So, and and so we've had to kind of come up to speed very quickly with regards to the OFAC because because all of a sudden uh, these, um, you know, I'm a U.S. a U.S. individual, I'm a U.S. citizen, and I'm also a U.S. lawyer, and I'm based here, and I run my practice as basic on the basis of my U.S. qualifications and and such, and so therefore, uh, but I'm also a Russian speaker. Although I'm Ukrainian, uh, so uh, I had a number of Russian-speaking clients, potential clients coming my way. So in, in the wake of the war, uh, which made me a lot more aware of the sanctions, because you know, obviously they were trying to set up base to, to try to um, uh, deal with the sanctions. Some evade, some circumvent, some just basically address. You just legitimate businesses, legitimate people trying to address uh, the the impact of the sanctions by moving to the uh, to the UAE. So. So I started familiarizing myself with with the whole sanction world mm-hmm. um, a lot uh, a lot faster, uh, and then you know, through the process you see actually people specific people specific businesses being added to the sanction list, and the impact is pretty is pretty swift yeah. because the banks and all the data in banks is is rather centralized these days, and so if somebody's added to the list, it's because a lot of research has already been done by the authorities in the background. So by the time the person is on the list. Or the companies on the list. So a lot, a lot of deals had already been done. Well, this is the thing now. I had to set up a uh, offshore account after years of being here. I've just had to do one but to go through the KYC requirements of the bank. Just as a a little bloke sat in Dubai, it took months to set up. So the banks have to do their due diligence, prove their due diligence, and carry it out. 
Uh, well, yes, and um, that's that. So, the, and it's in the wake of that as well. And that, by the way, is also one of the reasons why we've had to become a lot more intimate with the subject. Uh, uh, and it's because a lot of new people are moving into the UAE and they wanting to set up bank accounts, but it's become a lot more difficult for them uh, for them to do so because of all these KYCs yeah. uh, and these and and these new KYCs and new regulations are obviously in the wake of and the result of of the very the sanctions um, that are. Are uh, being implemented and 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 uh, added on to uh, almost you know every every month by various sort of international authorities. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so it's you kind of have this on on uh, both fronts. On the one hand, if you are and just an ordinary person wanting to set up in in the UAE or anywhere else, but let's we're talking about the UAE here today. It's a lot harder to open a bank account because the the due diligence, the KYC process is a lot more uh, strenuous. But on the other hand, also if you already have an active bank account, uh, it's, it's not that's not necessarily a carte blanche for you to operate because the minute you get added to uh, the the list, it's it's you know you feel the impacts of it very quickly. I mean, is the list? published is it like the the fbi top 10 or how do you find it yes so there are it's all public information and right. this is also how perhaps uh, as a u.s person let's say or anybody who may be affected you cannot play ignorance as an excuse <laughs> and including banks so they cannot argue or claim all we did not know because this data is <laughs> readily available that's, oh, that's not us yeah. oh, oh, don't look yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so it's very it's readily available there's also loads of d- databases um, that may they that contain or in, include this information on all types of sanctions lists not just OFAC lists but also other lists uh, and in fact a lot of uh, banks and financial authorities uh, and to an extent even even a lot of professional service providers, including law firms, especially of certain size, are almost depending on, obviously on where they're operating and sub- which regulations they're subject to. But they're also many of them are actually uh, required to conduct all sorts of uh, KYCs and, and and checks on their clients, uh, and they have to have even these sort of uh, markers as part of have a mem- membership to these different database information. So in, in the event one of their existing clients <laughs> makes it to the new list that they have these sort of you know red flags right. uh, so it's it's a very it's a very complex area uh, and uh, one that until recently was not of much uh, sort of interest uh, to to me uh, and now just by virtue of um, kind of of our client base of where we sit of the of the me being an american <laughs> Uh, you know, we are, we have become a lot more familiar with what it really means, uh, and uh, you know, it's sort of it, it's extraterritorial uh, effect, right? Because uh, it's quite 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 extraordinary. Because in no way, well, I'm a perfect example, uh, but there's also another a number of other clients or, or uh, examples I can give you where okay, here I'm an American citizen. Okay, fine. So if somebody comes to me, if I have a client that is on the OFAC list. Um, I cannot deal. So, and this is, by the way, these are these are uh, the yeah. um, the kind of the general uh, effects uh, and consequences of somebody who is on the OFAC list. So, not only can they not 
uh, transact through through the banks that deal with U.S. currency, which basically are ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the banks in the in in the world. Uh, so, but also uh, they cannot transact with any U.S. businesses or controlled U.S. controlled businesses or U.S. persons, which means I am sitting here in the uh, in the UAE, and if somebody came to me in the OFAC list, uh, and they said I will pay you in cash, so there's no banking uh, tra- transfer that's involved. I still cannot work with them. I cannot represent them because I'm a U.S person in this case mm. um and um and so that's one example another example is that and we've seen this here as well in the uae a number of certain companies end up uae companies end up on the ofac list have nothing to do with the u.s so they're not owned by u.s citizen they're not obviously they're not a branch of a u.s entity and they don't even deal with u.s uh, direct interest or they don't sell u.s goods but they make it on the list because of the good or service that they provide uh, that the u.s government in this context for example believes are um, you know, terrorist activities, for example, or threats to their security or threat to whatever the U.S. considers to considers to be uh, their sort of values that they are um, that they want to protect. Uh, so, um, uh, so just by virtue of that, if they end up on the OFAC list. That, Directly speaking, there is no consequence to them here because they are sitting in the U in the UAE and they're not dealing with U.S. entities. But the ability to now transfer money or receive money for mm. whatever it is, goods or services they're doing, uh, is uh, is 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 hugely curbed, and that means you know what business or can you do if you cannot transact? And this, by the way, involves the company itself, not just its ability to to receive money, right, and to sell goods or to sell services or to serve, sell products uh, and receive money, but also, for example, it's employees, it's license, and it's just operations. And that's because if your bank as a company, your bank is, because if your, your company blocked entity as a company, your blo- bank account that belongs to you, the company, is now blocked. And therefore, you're not able to access cash using that, that bank account or, or bank accounts that belong to that entity. So how do you pay employees? Mm. How do you pay for your trade license or your renewals uh, or to your suppliers or to your customers? Where are your lines of credit? But you No, know, I can see that it's all kind of falling into place. Yes, now. yes. Yeah. Uh, and so we there have been a few entities in the in the UAE that have been uh, added to the OFAC list. And, uh, and in, because it's a U.S. regulation, it's a U.S. legislation, uh, I've had a few people come my way because you they look up U.S. lawyer and uh, uh, and so they're interested in kind of learning. Okay, so what does that mean for our company and for us? Uh, and um, I cannot, so <laughs> I cannot deal with them because mm. I am a U.S. person and I therefore am blocked from dealing with. I'm prevented or prohibited. I'm prohibited from dealing with the person with the blocked person. Okay. Let me just button for a second. If you're prohibited from dealing with a blocked person, are you able in any way to deal with a person who's trying to become unblocked? Once you're on the OFAC list, how do you get off the OFAC list? Uh, those are all great questions. And so um, uh, one is... Uh, 
uh, we've had and we've had a lot of these arguments, and I have to tell you again, this is I am not hiding. This is a fairly new area of law for me. So, mm-hmm. intuitively, as a lawyer, you always know you're all criminals. Everybody has a chance to hire a, a right to hire a lawyer, right? We always know that, even if you're a bad person, a murderer, you know, like everybody has a right to to defense. That's yeah. kind of that's yeah. one of the main principles of of the U.S. Um, uh, jurisprudence um, and constitution. So, uh, so um, you think so as a lawyer, I have this sort of innate like, well, okay, I understand this person is on, on a block as, a, as a, bl- a blocked entity or as in the sanctions list, but I'm a lawyer, so obviously I can represent them in one, let's say, in one thing or another, especially if it doesn't relate, for example, to what I think uh, landed them on the OFAC list to begin with. Let's say it's a it's a personal matter, right? It's it's mm. a divorce or something like that, for example. Yeah, so okay. you know, how does that, how does a person's divorce uh, or some sort of an inheritance matter potentially uh, affect the um, uh, this this kind of the accusations, allegations of their, their terrorist involvement, for example, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, that's sort of what these sanctions are for, is to is to curb um, uh, global terrorism. Uh, so, um, so you think, so how does that? You know, so I can, I, you know, I must be able to represent them. But in fact, lawyers are perhaps one of the main categories of service providers that are considered to be kind of what's called the conduit. Uh, to enabling to enabling uh, various sort of suspect individuals and businesses to um, um, you know, to to basically conduct these activities, and it's because it's usually lawyers and law firms that create all these different offshores and the different trust uh, uh, trust accounts and the different uh, offshore accounts and the restructuring and structuring. So lawyers have kind of developed a reputation actually being the enablers of a lot of these activities. Um, uh, and that's because you know, through these kind of multifaceted and complex structuring, legal structuring, the ultimate beneficiaries are, are often unknown, and all sorts of activities are allowed to happen and happen because it's a, you know, because you cannot really link the ultimate decision maker, the ultimate beneficiary, with the you know the sort of the final act or, or the final entity. So um, so to my surprise, I, uh, you know, we were actually considered to be the perpetrators. And so they're therefore the first ones uh, to, um, to be deemed as, um, as, as uh, so prohibited from providing services to block people, persons. Okay. Now, there are, however, as you rightfully said, what if you're trying to get off the list? Because you consider, listen, I, I didn't, I, this is unfair because there are some people that end up on, on the list unfairly or perhaps the sanctions are too broad. Uh, so, yes, yeah. yeah, so there are, therefore... Um, um, these what's called the licenses. You can apply like there's a general license and there's a specific license that may allow someone to conduct business with you to to you know even if you're a blocked person if you're on the OFAC list um, if you that that service provider has either general license or specific license they may be able to uh, to um, provide even if they're a U.S. entity they may be able to provide you with a service or or deal with you. However, these are not so easy uh, to obtain, uh, and they're not what you sort of, you may think, oh, as a lawyer, I've got this general license, so I can do it uh, because I'm a lawyer. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's the very specific, the sort of general license only apply to certain kind of activities and, uh, and, you know, the very specific, and there'll be specific decree or specific regulation that will state, okay, this particular activity, for example, pharmaceutical good. Right, the specific pharmaceutical good of that company, 
um, basically can be can be dealt with, right? So that's that's called a general exception. So it will be actually in the regulations themselves, in the sort of volume of regulations and the, the specific orders that will exempt a, a certain a product, certain good uh, from the overall sanctions by virtue of, for example, their you know, the kind of the non-threatening effect. So because you can imagine, let's say you have a lot of um, technology companies, right? So the, let's say 80% of the technology, what the technology company does is perfect legitimate business, but maybe 20% of some kind of parts that they supply, some sort of software they create, perhaps may be used or is used in some sort of terrorist or war-related activities, which may be on the sanction list. So you can see how part of that business could still be um, sectioned off for the purposes of these sanctions and, and licenses. So that's a general license. Specific license is something a lot more specific that you actually have to apply to the authorities, to the regulators, and say, I want to provide a sort of a specific service or the service to this individual. I'm asking for a specific license. And usually, um, uh, and that, and there's always both general and specific license that also actually have very, very, very strict monetary value. Uh, yeah, so another another example of, of a general license for lawyers is that, for example, if you were on an OFAC list and you came to me and you said, listen, I, I was unfairly placed on the OFAC list, or I'm trying to clean up my act and not be associated with this list, or it's just the sanctions are too broad and they want at least to narrow the focus. Uh, so then I could represent you under the general license, but as long as it's specifically directed to your objective of trying to deal with the OFAC sanctions right. specifically, okay. mm. right? Mm. So that's me specifically trying to get Tim off the OFAC list or me specifically working uh, or to, to, to limit the impact of the, the, the sanctions. Uh, so then I have this general license to help you because then that goes back to the principle of like if you, you still are – uh, uh, you still deserve and you're entitled to a defense. So I can still represent you in connection with that, you know, that very specific, a specific activity. But even then, interestingly enough, and this is quite, quite interesting, quite clever if you ask me, uh, my ability to represent you in this is very, very specifically limited to how much I can charge you. And there are very specific limitations, financial limitations of how much I can charge you for that service. And that's interesting because, once again, it does not create the sort of incentive for me to just – because right now you've got your hands tied, right? So it creates a, an interesting incentive for me to just milk you for fees because you – without me, you know, you're really struggling. Yeah. So – but there isn't really much uh, of a financial incentive for lawyers to represent financial incentive, right? I mean, there's sure. obviously professional uh, interest and, and, and there's still and, – and there's the compensation is more or less supposed to, I guess – at the heart of it or the core of it is supposed to kind of uh, be proportionate to um, um, the kind of the value that you're trying to to create, but not extraordinarily uh, high uh, value. So it's it's really it's quite mm. interesting. So it's 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 as a lawyer, if you are representing somebody under this sort of general license, you better be. But again, this is only an American lawyer or an American sort of citizen yeah. so it's a, if it's a, let's say you're a lawyer in France and you have nothing to do with the US jurisdiction then you don't have the same limitations it's only me as a US citizen for example or as a US as, or, but also I think even as a US qualified lawyer even if you're not practicing in your own country 
you still sort of a subject to these limitations. So really, it only just concerns U.S. people, persons. Yeah. Uh, but um, <clears throat> but so there it is. So it's it, there. You know, you could see when people are in need as a U.S. as a, as a lawyer come to you like well, I could you know because it also is a very complex area of law extremely complex and it's so remember as we mentioned earlier by the time you make it on this list I mean a lot of due diligence had already been done yeah and um, a lot of authorities had been involved my so, head's spinning Ludmilla here trying to keep up trust me it's, it's still spinning for me and I've been researching this and learning this for the last year yeah uh, so, uh, so and because it's so complex uh, you, when you try when somebody makes it to the list Chances are there's a lot of due diligence, a lot of intel that's already gone into the file to, to um, that ultimately resulted and manifested itself on the actual list. So therefore, to try to kind of to challenge it or question it, you can see as a lawyer, is is be a lot of very lucrative work for you, and so. The U.S. sanctions are drafted, or the regulations are drafted in such a way that they they do give the opportunity to the, to the party that's on the list uh, to have representation. Um, they can also hire other lawyers, not U.S. lawyers, but if they want to have a U.S. lawyer, they have they still have representation. But there's no incentive to basically fire the party to kind of abuse it, perhaps abuse this uh, the situation. Uh, and therefore kind of contravene the, the idea of, of the sanctions themselves. Okay, okay. Um, let me ask you about cases that you've either been involved with, perhaps you have uh, some knowledge of. Central Bank of the UAE, I know, cancelled the license of a Russian bank recently, um, MTS, and that bank had been placed on the OFAC list. Can you speak about that case? What do you know about that particular Yeah, I mean, this is all pub- public news and public knowledge. Yeah. So there was a, a Russian bank that was recently set up in the UAE and, and had a license from the UAE Central Bank. Uh, and shortly after, and again, in the wake of this very complex, obviously, uh, matter right now, uh, and um, it was placed on the OFAC list uh, very shortly after it was set up. Uh, and uh, it was interesting because I, you know, I at a very intellectual level, a professional level, I was curious because this is this is a purely Russian bank uh, yeah. and in the UAE. So it was, you know, and because it was a Russian bank in the UAE, it wasn't going to deal with the U.S. currency. So that was so therefore it would not be subject uh, to um, uh, th- those sanctions directly, mm-hmm. directly that is right. Uh, and so and yet it was placed on the OFAC list, and you think, okay, so what effect will it have ultimately? Not direct, because it's not really dealing with the U.S. currency. Therefore, no transactions can be blocked uh, through the U.S. Uh, central bank because it's not passing through the U.S. central bank because it's not sure, dealing with the Sure, but the U.S. currency is pegged to the U.S. dollar, isn't it? So, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so ultimately, uh, shortly thereafter, um, obviously, the UAE authorities themselves uh, deemed that um, that kind of sort of bank to be uh, uh, to be you know. Uh, uh, perhaps unwanted, <laughs> so uh, so they canceled they canceled their license. It was actually a pretty quick turnaround on on all fronts, with regards to the bank being formed, with regards to it being placed on the OFAC list, and with the, with regards to the um, uh, the license being canceled. Uh, now it's all public news; it's all in, in the media. So to me, at a professional level, is a very interesting um, development to have witnessed and watched and uh, and uh, kind of realize the the impact of. Of, of these sanctions, and hence we're talking about this today, because mm. it's it's less about the sort of this direct uh, regulatory power where you are inside within the U.S. on the U.S. territory doing something. Therefore, obviously, you're directly subject to the U.S. regulators. Here, you're across the world, but at many levels, you don't touch. 
the the US, for example. The surprise is the scope of OFAC, isn't it? That's that's really the point here. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So so that was one example, uh, and uh, it just shows you how I guess at least at least the UAE authorities deem it to be important enough uh, to have uh, to 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 I guess collaborate with the US uh, at this level to where, where they deemed these sanctions were serious enough and therefore for this bank to exist undesirable for the U- for the UAE economy. So, yeah, so there's, there's an interesting example there. Uh, another example, we also had um, a client basically who reached out to the firm. They were looking for an American lawyer who um, <laughs> knew something about OFAC uh, and um, uh, and in that case, uh, so basically the whole co- the company uh, was not owned by Americans. It was actually owned, ironically enough, by Ukrainian. Uh, and but they were dealing with uh, again. This is all public news because it's this all. I'm not disclosing anything uh, here. But but it, they're all on the list. You can go. In fact, you can do the the search in OFAC by country. So for example, okay. you designate this, you select the sanctions, and then you say let's this entities that are UAE entities or entity or Ukrainian entities or you know UK entities or you Australian entities. So you can just you can choose specific country, and it will show you which entities are based in a particular jurisdiction. For example, are on OFAC list or individuals. And um, interestingly enough, it even has individuals, for example, who um, their connection to the UAE is a property owned here. See, so uh, see. yes, yes. So, so the individual could be, for example, a Russian citizen or some other citizen. And they are, if they're on the OFAC list and they own an entity, a property here, so they will be they will be shown as a UAE entity because because they own a property here. For example, so not just a company, but a property. It's just some examples. Again, this is all public information. It's all you could spend uh, years re- going through these databases. And this, what we're talking about today, is more specific in terms of OFAC related to the Russian war in Ukraine. But there are so many other uh, lists, and as I said earlier, to related to Iran and and Yemen and Syria and Sudan and so on and so forth. So and Iraq. So. So uh, it's it's a very very complex area of law and very uh, um, sort of very voluminous database of information wow. and names and companies. Uh, but um, now it's 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 you know it's it's a lot more prominent here because of of the Ru- the Russian war. Um, and so in this in this other case where the the company was placed uh, on the OFAC list because they uh, supply drones. Uh, and the drones were basic ultimate. And it's, again, this is in the list. You know, these are specific lists where so the drones were specifically implicated or uh, uh, have uh, found to have been used by Russian military in in, in Ukraine. Uh, so, and that's the company was sort of associated here. Uh, so, um, or the company's base here. So therefore, mm. that company ended up on the list, and you know they wanted to find out the, the repercussions, the implications, and again, my ability to counsel them as an American citizen is limited, because. Yeah. Uh, and I said, listen, if you want, if you want to be counsel advised regarding how to get off the list, I may be able to help you there and this general license. Uh, but in that particular case, um, you have to sort of understanding how the company operates in the uh, line of business. I could not reasonably uh, imagine a way uh, by which you would get them off the list. <laughs> so, so because um, there was no other business. You see, you can have a lot of businesses where only a portion of their businesses perhaps yeah. may be suspect or may be linked to a certain kind of undesirable activity. 
but in this particular case, there wasn't anything I, I could understand. Uh, you know, I, I could I, I could not see how I could help. Uh, so some other lawyers could uh, benefit, uh, perhaps, I, because they would not be restricted by the same restrictions I am. But you know, I couldn't. Um, there was also a number of other individuals that had um, uh, come to us who we've had dealings with in the past, in one fashion or another. Uh, uh, who were later, um, you know, also we found out later, uh, were added to the OFAC list. And so that prevented our ability to operate or work with them uh, and provide services to them. Uh, so at least until uh, you know, until they remain on the list. Uh, so it's true. It's a very, very all-encompassing uh, development, and um, and I'm just using us kind of an, as an example because we were small, and you know, and this is just a, a kind of a drop in the ocean in terms of what's going on sort of around the world right now. Uh, but it's important. But but because the UAE has made such tremendous efforts in the last several years of really um, of of solidifying, of, of enhancing its legislative and legal framework by virtue of, for example, introducing the anti-money laundering regulations, the mm. um, the economic substance requirements, uh, VAT, now the corporate tax, the all sorts of the disclosure, the requirements of disclosure, uh, disclosure and confidentiality and 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 uh, exchange of information. There's been so many of these efforts, legislative efforts, where we as a law firm, we're subject to a whole new level of, of legislation just by virtue, for example, this anti-money laundering regulations. Uh, so it's it's interesting to see. So obviously for the UAE, this is also an important topic, and this is why we're talking about it today, because it's very easy if you're sitting here thinking, I'm so far away from all these countries that are doing all these sanctions, I'm completely uh, you know, protected, uh, and, and I'm not, this, these topics are of no interest to me, but it's important to also be vigilant, and that's the point of this. It's important to be vigilant, and it's important to be plugged in and have access to these different databases of information, because it's very easy for you to fall on the wrong side of the law. It's the breadth of uh, OFAC that's kind of dawning on me now, the scope of it, that kind of ever-widening gyre. There's there's just no way of uh, getting away from it. It is kind of like a spy, spy, spider web, right? From, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you remember like this Harry Potter movie, remember when this, not a Harry Potter, the Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Ring. And there's right. a big spider that's sort of in kind of getting a little bit of web here, a little bit of web there. Before you know it, you're all kind of in entangled in this, and that's sort of um, that's that's what we are seeing with regards to these sanctions. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, uh, and um, now I remember a few years ago, I also was um, approached by some other companies based here in the UAE who were worried because they were dealing with Iran and they were worrying potential that they were circumventing some of the Iranian sanctions, and they thought, well, we're not really sort of directly on the list, you know, could we, could we not do it? So this subject of sanctions comes up, especially here in this region, because we're so close physically and geographically to so many other countries. Uh, yeah. So it comes up. It's a, it's, a, it's an, it's an important subject to discuss uh, by, if, if for no other reason than just to raise awareness um, of the importance of, of being vigilant, of doing your customer due diligence, of doing your client due diligence, of all these KYCs. Uh, and we're we all subject to it now as, as law firms, as accountants, auditors, real estate agents, uh, you know, banks, obviously financial service providers, corporate service providers, everybody's subject to the more increased um, regulations. And so this is just kind of a reminder of all those that we can no longer just claim, oh, I did not know. Because information is out there, 
so it's important on for all of us uh, to just be vigilant and to follow the businesses here to continue to monitor. The punishment, by the way, for evading sanctions is very, very draconian. And there's criminal sanctions and such. We didn't even talk about that. But that's the, you know, so if you are trying to circumvent the sanctions, the punishments are pretty serious and severe. And so it's better to actually sort of know that you're blocked and and, and pause until things kind of resolve themselves than to try to circumvent them. Because if you circumvent them and, you, and you're discovered, it's not, it's not a good idea. That's logical this time. Uh, the acronym OFAC, O-F-A-C, the U.S. Office of Foreign Asset Control. In simple parlance, that means sanctions. As ever, thank you for watching, uh, listening, or both. And thanks to our legal expert managing partner here at Yamalava and Plethka. Uh, Ludmilla Yamalava, thank you very much. I'm, I'm just coming back down to earth. Thank you, Tim. It was uh, surprisingly a lot more interesting and less boring than it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> It's some story, it really is. You can find us at LY Law on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. You can find our podcast at lylawyers.com or on a podcast platform near you. If you'd like your legal question answered in an episode of Logical or if you'd like to talk to a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, click contact at lylawyers.com.